Hey everyone, I'm Brandon. On this episode of Movies Ruined My Life, Brent East and myself compare Back to the Future to Buddhism, George Orwell, and line breeding in an attempt to piss off the entire internet and even stop the show to shit talk Terminator Genesis. Okay, so Back to the Future, the almost perfect script by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. A script that, while on paper, kind of bounces back and forth between between uh, being completely outrageous in its nonsense exposition mm-hmm. and masterful in its ability to tie people into the world. And yet, when you see that on screen, it brings you in to this exciting universe while also facilitating the role of almost a cautionary tale. And that's what I love about this film and kind of what I'd like to get into first, which is um, the fact that this is a super fun franchise. All three of these movies, regardless of what you think of them, uh, they are fun movies. Mm -hmm. And yet there is that element that, it is absolutely a cautionary tale. It's they're constantly trying to fix their fuck ups, and then they want to destroy the time machine. Like every movie, they want to destroy the DeLorean mm-hmm. and kind of move on with their lives because they've realized I've done more harm than good. Um, how do you guys want to kick this off? I don't even know. You can come at it from so many different angles because it it is so many different things. Like it's a it's a feel good family movie, but it, it, you know, like Marty McFly in the fifties, in the eighties, like mm-hmm. you know, like you can't go wrong with that. But at the same time, just cultural significance. But again, as a cautionary tale, like just having that 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 subtext to it all, where it becomes like really sci fi. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I I'm not really sure how to reconcile it. Mm-hmm. I w- I wouldn't even know where to begin. Uh, attacking this. yeah i know it's it's it is really like uh it's a great bonkers movie you know even if you like look at it like this it's a good fun family movie where the mom really wants to bang her son yeah exactly the, you know what the i topic mean of incest uh, comes up really quick until he until she kisses him yeah, and then she's yeah. like it's like i'm kissing my brother and yeah. he's like uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah kind of you know uh and that's that's a, that's that's the thing about Back to the Future is it's a very fun, lighthearted thing, yeah. but there's a lot of really... warning. If you go back in time, you may have to fuck your mom. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, but but then again, if another yeah. another another really cool thing about Back to the Future is that you know, as a you watch it as a teenager, and it also makes you realize that as well. Like your pa- like, would you be friends with your dad? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. would I be friends with my mom? And the thing is, I would not. My dad is a nerd and a stiff. Yeah. And well, I was recently you. watching that. Who runs in the family? <laughs> I was recently uh, watching that, uh, the documentary that uh, back back in time. Or yeah, back, back to, in time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and there, it's interesting because Bob Gale was talking about how um, he realized that his, his dad was... Um, like the the jock and the prom king kind of guy mm. or the class president and all mm. these things, all the guys that he kind of hated 
in mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. and he and and that was kind of the uh, the jump off point for a lot of the changes that that happened in the script writing process because this was in uh development for so long with mm-hmm. a couple of studios mm-hmm. which is you know is um it, it brings up an interesting point you know uh when you the the other thing there being the the whole thing at at the beginning where they talk about how no McFly has ever amounted to anything, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then you he you know Marty goes back and and subsequently almost changes his future for the better, um, but still is grounded in the fact that he just wants his life back he's he's happy with that if it's a little bit better and he gets to help his family be happier and so forth then that's that's a different thing but he um he as a character doesn't want the world to be a different place and again it goes back to that whole cautionary tale thing you know where you think okay you know oh my job sucks my you know, I don't have enough money in my bank account. Like I spent $150 today on something that it turns out doesn't, I don't fucking need, but, (laughs) but from movies like back to the future, I've learned to reconcile all that as I still get to live in this amazing world and be self-aware, you know, and be, uh, you, you know, uh, I get to, I have to. It's my responsibility to treasure every moment, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and take the good with the bad because the smallest instance of good is worth, you know, fighting through all that bad for, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it's all done uh, as subcontext to the film. You have this zany adventure with these wacky out-of-this-world characters mm-hmm. um, and you have all these life lessons that happen in it. And so it's beautiful. And even then, you know, just to go on that whole thing of good, like Marty McFly is so good that Mm -hmm. it attracts the attention of Doc Brown. Yeah. Who's so much more a senior just to be like, I'm going to take you under my wing. Mm -hmm. You're going to be my, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) 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 I'm going to take you and I'm going to, you know, we're going to go, I'm going to educate you. And that's so interesting too, because he doesn't, um, they don't like uh, another thing that they did so well with the script is they don't spend 15 minutes introducing Marty to, you know, to doc and going through that whole sequence movie opens up and and Marty's looking for doc and you're just, you're thrown into this world and you're again, you're on this moving train Mm -hmm. and with that, you, you can accomplish so much. Mm -hmm. They never ever treat the audience as stupid. No. Mm-hmm. Everything that we just talked about subcontextually, everything that uh, that's done as kind of plot points, even though there's an extremely large amount of exposition in this film, oh yeah, they never pander to you as an audience. They never stop the film and go, okay, now here's what's going on, and pat you on the head and rub your belly and reaffirm that this is going to be okay. Yeah, there's no... They just... They just deliver. Yeah. Well, I think of it this way. Like, yeah, there's no, like, to, like when you get classical, there's no, what's the term, like a Shakespearean, like, chorus. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, like, little interlude being like, so here's where we are now. Yes. And I, I like that, like, that it comes in in Medias Res, like, the, the relationships are established. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, what you're saying about Marty just being a good person, wanting to live and, you know, adapting that to your own life and just that whole aspect of it, it took me back to the get out of jail party 
that never actually happened. <laughs> and Marty's just like so heartbroken. Like he gets it. He's the epitome of the, the eighties loser, cool guy. Yeah. You know, where he's like, man, I understand that like high school's bullshit and my family's fucked up and I just want everybody to be happy. Yeah. And I, I'm just, he's just frustrated and he's just like running his fingers through his hair, just exasperated. Like, oh, I don't know. And his and band then, plays just way too loud. And then, <laughs> and then, but then the relationship with Doc Brown, like taking him under his wing and that kind of thing. Like you don't really get that right away because he's just kind of like breaking into his garage and plugging in the amp yeah. and just like making a fucking mess. So it's like, here's like a, a shitty teenager, yeah. But he's got that heart of gold, and like, how is this going to come together? Absolutely. Like that, it, it's it's that weird dichotomy at the beginning of just like this is like a messed up kid who's just trying to find his place, mm-hmm. oh, and gosh. so maybe going back in time and helping his family and his lineage and all that kind of thing is him just sort of one learning to value what he has and find his place Absolutely. in in the world, in society, in existence, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like him understanding the concept of fate. You know, it's like almost a Donnie Darko kind of thing where it's like yeah, once yeah. you understand your fate, would you change it or are you willing to accept it and go with it and, and sort of like recognize opportunities, opportunities as they come instead of trying, like beating your head against the wall over and over, trying to do better and change things instead of accepting the way they are and being like, what can I do with this? Yeah. You know? And it's so interesting that you bring up the the comparison of Donnie Darko because it's two films that are very much tackling similar subject matter, but one is done in this very uh, bright uh, and exciting way that yeah. everything's delivered to you as a subcontext of the film, and then you have this other film that's very dark and, um, you know, I don't want to say morose, but it's a little morose. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a little existential, <laughs> it, overtly existential. Yeah. yeah, and they both do the job equally well. I feel, I you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to touch on something else that you said, but I could I can't remember what it was. This is why I need need to break out a pen so I can write this stuff down. It'll come to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I quickly did want to go back to uh, oh that's what it was. So we'll do that first, and then we'll get to okay, my thought. Okay. Uh, Doc Brown. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, Marty comes comes into his house and and wrecks the place basically yeah. for all intents and purposes. He's never scolded. He's never belittled. Right. He's always treated as an equal. Um, as much as Doc is intellectually superior to mm-hmm. to Marty, he never treats him as a lesser part. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that. Doc is able to see the strengths of a person who's incredibly different to him mm-hmm. in every way, age, aesthetic, um, you know, temperament, everything is entirely different. And uh, he, they see each other as equals. They're best friends. Yeah. And it's it, that in itself is, uh, again, something that you can strive for in friendship. No, Mm -hmm. there's so many lessons in this film. Oh yeah. That's an awesome point because I mean, like going back to what I was saying before about, you know, accepting fate and recognizing fate and that kind of thing, Doc Brown doing that. I mean, if I can get super spiritual for a second, um, think about, you know, and, and I'm so sorry if I'm wrong on this, I'm not an authority, but I mean the idea of, of, of Buddhism, of Zen mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Like, you know, we talk about somebody like, like Siddhartha Gautama who, yes. you know, achieves enlightenment mm-hmm. and isn't, he's like, don't revere me. I'm not special. I no. just figured it out. Here's how I did it. Maybe that'll work for you. We're all capable of this. Mm-hmm. We can all sort of be at peace and at one with our existence. And I mean, dude, 
And that's Doc, a great Doc, example Doc of Brown, someone who mm-hmm. fell Doc, off the track. That's the thing. Doc Brown you know? is Buddha basically going like, Marty, come on. This is cool. You can do this. We're yeah. going on an adventure. Yeah. You know, and we're, but gonna, never we're gonna condescending. Exactly. Never, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just like, dude, I'm not better than you. Don't yeah. deify yeah. me. Like, let's just go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. He's like, he's like, sorry, Doc, I broke, I kind of broke that huge ass <laughs> amp in your house and kind of destroyed your whole place. Don't even worry about it. I got this DeLorean. No, yeah, the best well, things are made in Japan. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's a great line. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on was the DeLorean mm-hmm. and how brilliant that is. Just the element that, <laughs> first of all, it's it's. I I know everyone already knows that they they ch- they chose the car mainly because of the gullwing doors and these things. But I love the idea of a time machine that you can um, move around in. So you get to this other place and you can still use it to right. to travel, mm-hmm. you know, to keep yourself out of danger if you, if need be. Keep yourself away from the elements if you need to. It's um, the the idea of a car in itself yeah. is a, is a very utilitarian uh, means of of um, time travel, mm-hmm. and 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 then they do it in this very gaudy and brilliant way mm-hmm. uh, that that's uh, amazing. Um, and I remember seeing the DeLorean, uh, for the first time as a kid and just wanting one. So oh, we all bad. did. Oh, yeah. We all did. Yeah. Even now, if you just see a DeLorean on the street, it's like, you know, not, you know, there's cameras on phones. You can just walk right up one and be like, Hey, you sound picture me like this. And like pretending like you're looking at your watch at somebody else's <laughs> I, car. I saw one, you in, know, I saw one in a parking lot at a strip mall in Mississauga and the license plate did say out of time. Nice. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to bring people here because it was there often. Mm-hmm. It was good. But no, I know what you mean. And it's like in, in by now everybody knows that like it's a shitty car. Yes. It was incredibly like and yet poorly still engineered. on the road in large well, part. And that's the thing. And I wonder if the – well, I don't, I don't wonder. I'm sure this is the case. But I mean like there was a contest recently for like the DeLorean aficionado meetup in the States where yeah. if you enter a raffle, you might win a DeLorean that's been fully restored. And yeah. We're finding out ways to maintain them and that kind of thing. And I'm sure there was always a fan base. But back to the future, imagine like what it did for that absolutely all those kids growing up and now have like the income to be like i'm gonna you know midlife crisis some people buy a motorcycle some people buy a delorean so they can relive back to the future there's still what like 30 grand or something Mm -hmm. like fully restored (laughs) that's weird that's more than a 60s mustang fully restored (laughs) yeah exactly and and the fact that they're also doing them up yeah. To, as time machines. Yeah. They're yeah. not just doing them up as DeLoreans. Yeah. They're doing them up as time it's machines. It's like, eat your heart out, Knight Rider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, ironically enough, uh, same guy that worked on the panels. Oh, really? On, on uh, Yeah, Knight Rider worked on... Uh, I had no idea. Some of the artwork for... Uh, for the paneling and so yep. forth in, in Back to the Future. Cool. Really no cool. idea, which kind yeah. of is weird. There's like a weird card fetish going on now. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I quickly want to talk about uh, the two women in this film, the two central women, which are um, Leah Thompson. And Elizabeth Shue? Wait a second. No, <laughs> and Claudia I Wells. Know, I, know. I know. We'll get to the Elizabeth <laughs> Shue thing. Um, both incredibly gorgeous first of all mm-hmm. um and you know just uh both dynamic performances super present uh mm-hmm. in the film with with the very small amount of screen time that they both actually mm-hmm. had you yeah. know yeah. Cool. you very you very much knew what their characters were about you you knew um you knew how how they would react to things. Mm-hmm. You you understood the ramifications of Marty's actions 
um, as they relate to them before you ever you ever got to the reaction yeah. scene. Well, like the great thing about Leah Thompson's performance in that film is that there is three different versions mm. of Marty McFly's mom. Yes, there's the angry old one. Yes, there who's is, very prudish. And, yes, yes. Yeah. There's the the horny young one. Yep. You know, which is my favorite. Yep, uh, yeah, that's everyone's favorite. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then there's, you know... Let's just keep talking about the horny. <laughs> and, there's the, and there's the revised, you know... At the end, her, yeah. At the end, her, where she's, you know, nice. Uh, and laissez-faire and shit. Yeah, and, like, yeah. and totally awesome. And the, and the great thing is, look at how young Leah Thompson was when she had to portray yeah. that role. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? She had to have... Did you say young or hot? Both. I wasn't listening. So I was it, just it, thinking it, about... I said you're hot. Okay. Actually, it was... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um anyway yeah she just she has a wicked range in that you know what i mean mm-hmm. um whereas you know necessarily marty mcfly's girlfriend yeah doesn't really have jennifer's yeah but she's beautiful she's but, a we gonna, but we were gonna and go up to the lake yeah and well i love that i love that he simple pleasures well i love that he has yeah exactly yeah. he has a, a girlfriend he has a um sweet jacket <laughs> uh, well yes <laughs> but he has a ground he's grounded at home yeah in that you know he he's he's found young love for whatever that amounts to later on and uh and he's um he's loves his family and he's grounded in all of that and he's he finds like you said these simple pleasures borrowing the car and going up to the lake um, you know, these little notes that she writes for him, these kinds of things. And these are all things that harken back to our teenage years, Yeah, you know? Um, and also the thing that I love about that, uh, and I know it's not at all related, mm-hmm. but, um, you both read 1984, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even have to ask that, but I, I figured I might as well. Even if you haven't, everybody knows what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so the scene where, um, the scene, yeah, the moment on. in the book where she... <laughs> Uh, fake falls and puts the note into Winston's hand and he opens it up and it just says, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I can remember being being like, oh, that's such a cutesy teenage moment in this super serious, Very, like, dark, demented book. It's mm-hmm. like it's a necessity of, of the world, but at the same time, it's just like, but that actually happens even when it's not a necessity. It yeah. is universality, right? Is that yeah. a word, universality? Yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's love, man. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. Love. It's like the fifth element. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Um, but no, that was the thing. Just talking about, um, you know, Marty McFly's character and and sort of his 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 comfort zone, his place, his family, his his mentor, his girlfriend, the lake, and the simple pleasures and that kind of thing. I don't know if this is something you wanted to talk about later. Uh, if it is, we can. I have bring no it up idea later. what I'm doing, so feel free. Okay, cool. Because I'm like, what about was it Eric Stoltz? Yeah, yeah the original. Yeah. Like we've seen the test footage and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, I think that's worth talking about. Where it's just like. You know Michael J. Fox coming from like uh, uh, family ties, yeah, and and uh, and just his his. But he whole, was their first choice, yeah. But I mean that his whole vehicle been doing it with Eric Stoltz and having that and seeing it. And, like I kind of liked him in it. I kind of want to see that movie just because I want to see how different the character is, like how we relate to him in a different way. I've seen Zemeckis talk about it, yeah, and we need to talk more about Robert Zemeckis, which we'll do after the break. Yeah. But um, he he's very um, very much a. A, an Eric Stoltz fan. Yeah. Um, and I can see why he would believe in him. Like you mm-hmm. said, in some of the test footage, 
there are these glimmer moments of of yeah. what we've come to know as Marty McFly, yeah. but but taller, but taller <laughs> and more emo. Yeah. He li- he listens to a lot of The Cure. His favorite band isn't Huey Lewis in the News. It's The Cure. Yeah. Uh, a little different movie. Actually, let's let's talk about Huey Lewis later. But... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't you worry. <laughs> we'll be getting into him, and we'll be getting into him in if we ever do an episode on American Psycho as well. You know. Oh yeah. The... There you go. Anyway, uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Zemeckis. Yeah. He talks about um, continuing to shoot out of out of this will, uh, you know, willful need to see this project through. Mm-hmm. He knew in the early stages that that um Michael J. Fox was the right call. Right. And he should have uh you know stuck to his guns, but he was in fear that the movie wouldn't be made. Mm-hmm. And so he did what needed to be done to yeah. keep the project on the rails. And it has nothing to do with Eric Stoltz. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's lying about that or and patronizing Eric right, Stoltz. Right. I think that he he wrote a film with a character a certain way and unfortunately he you know it wasn't the right choice it's like if we had seen a version of star wars with kurt russell in it would it be bad no but <laughs> it would definitely be different it would be totally different yeah. from han solo just, has an ipad just yeah. ha- you know you happen to you know, have Harrison Ford in on on the test readings and right, right. I, oh, lo- yeah. I love. We his all know that story. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the same thing. We all know the Eric Stoltz story where we knew he was in the running for yeah. it, um, and they wanted Michael J. Fox more, and he is ultimately the the right choice. And I mean, it's always interesting. Like I saw a meme the other day of just like it was like a BuzzFeed thing or something like that. It was just like look at all the roles that uh, Nicolas Cage almost had. Yeah, over the past, it's like, unbelievable. Twenty years, and it's like holy shit. And I was like, I don't want to see any of these movies. Yeah, <laughs> but, but that was the thing. Just the Eric Stoltz one. I just feel like it would be such a different movie. It's like it's like if if uh, you know, like it's uh, Christopher Nolan doing Interstellar instead of Steven Spielberg. You know what I mean? It yeah, changes yeah, it if... completely. And I'm always just kind of curious to see what it is. But Back to the Future, going back to the topic, it is what it is because Michael J. Fox just embodied that so well. Right? Well, it's just he has Michael J. Fox has that in any role that he has ever played. Has that he is kind. You would say yeah, instant likability. Except for like in the Frighteners, we're like, I was gonna, gonna say try, Frighteners, we're gonna, yeah. We're gonna try to make, but even then, we're gonna try to make Michael J. Fox a bit of a dick who at the end of the movie is still pretty kind. So fucking endearing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, you just, you just wanna hug that man. Yeah, whereas, you still know, do. With, with Eric Stoltz, it's like, I didn't, I didn't put a timeline on him. Okay, cool, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but with Eric Stoltz, he doesn't have that innate kindness about him you know yeah but he does have another element that to go back to brent's point that it would be nice to see it eric stoltz as an actor from everything i've seen up to present day he has a hope about him Mm -hmm. he has a cynicism but he has an underlying breath of hope in everything from his delivery to his demeanor um there and that might be refreshing more so ironically in two mm-hmm. than in yeah. one just being a little more wide-eyed at that situation right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um you wouldn't have the you'd still have you know oh my god doc what are we going to do but you would have um the that underlying optimism yeah in in the worry mm-hmm. that you know well doc knows 
Yeah. Uh, you know, like I'm going to doc to ask him this because I need, like, I know he's going to have an answer mm-hmm. or I know he's going to figure it out. And so you wonder, you know, maybe if the film had been successful down the line, if the franchise could have still maintained its kind of both cult status and, and, and mm-hmm. larger than, you With know, him, like, yeah. yeah. And that's commercial the thing. success but, I mean, as well. Just the one thing, just thinking about it now, like putting some real thought into it. I mean, yeah, the relationship with Doc Brown, I mean, it would be different. It would be effective. It would be really cool and work well into the second movie, mm-hmm. as you pointed out. But what's the relationship with Eric Stoltz and George McFly? Yeah, that I, was, I wouldn't just wanted work, to talk right? about Crispin Glover, yeah. um, who is fantastic. Because that, that guy, I'm pretty sure Forever Young has written about him. <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> he, he still looks the same, looks more great. or less. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like a fine wine, he like, is. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he, he's such a good, a good, um, counter energy in the in the 50 sequences mm-hmm. with marty he it's all in his posture <laughs> yeah maybe um one is his vocal delivery yeah. there's there's no, so much it, yeah. it's, a very, it's a really physical role you know? surprisingly yeah. Yeah, yeah for the for the lack of time that you get to focus on him as a yeah. character yeah um, you get so much out of it in terms of an emotional connection, and you get what you were talking about, East, where you were saying that you know you uh, you go back in time and you realize that your dad is someone that you don't like, and you get that line with Doc, where it's like, oh, maybe you were adopted, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then you know, oh, my dad's a peeping Tom. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he he brought another element to that role that you 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 have to really admire. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of his reaction shots, to, to go back to what you're saying about him and Stoltz, are, you know, are to Eric Stoltz's performance, not to... I didn't know that. Yeah. They, oh. Well, they didn't They didn't reshoot everything. Okay. They didn't just start... I don't, I don't know how much they actually shot. I've just sort of, like, seen the test footage. But yeah. So... Well, that changes everything. I gotta go watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I, I'm going to anyway. But yeah. Well, I think it's a good time to take a break. Sure. If, if you guys are up for it, because uh, we should come back. We should touch on on definitely on Huey Lewis in the news. Um, and I want to talk about Einstein. I think bringing him in adds another level of Everybody humanity loves to dogs. Talk. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and also we'll get into the whole uh, Claudia Wells, Elizabeth Shue mix up. Yeah. <laughs> and I just mumbled through Elizabeth Shue's name. So I'll say it again real quick. So we'll be right back. However you're taking part in this episode, please don't forget to leave comments, share, reach out to us so we can keep the conversation going. Oh, cool. I was just going to say, did any of you guys actually realize how Terminator Genesis really tried to beat, like really tried to pull a back to the future? No. I really only know the synopsis. I haven't seen the movie yet. Sorry. So, well, cause, so here's the thing. And in, in, in the new Terminator Genesis, it's like they they are going... Genesis, you mean? Whatever. Yeah, Genesis. In the new Sega Genesis. They're going... They go back into scenes from 1 and 2. Yeah. Very similar to like in Back to the Future 2. Two yeah. yeah. How they're going back huh. into scenes from 1. <clears throat> but they don't go into the actual scene, obviously, because it's been too long. Yeah. But... Um, it is. It's like it's like Back to the Future on crack with Arnold. 
And with CG Arnold and old Arnold. And, and, no, and, and no DeLorean. Yeah. Well, that's your first mistake. Yeah, that's your first mistake. Just well, just a bunch of naked dudes. Or, <laughs> can you imagine if Doc Brown showed up in Genesis? Naked? Yeah. Artie, <laughs> we gotta go back to the future. And then Rick and Morty show up. <laughs> and they're all just hanging dong. Get swifty. <laughs> um... See, I had a thought, and you just completely <laughs> sorry, man. That shit. <laughs> um, the, yeah, that that comparison is is interesting. I, I oh yeah, I all I wanted to say was that I'm totally when when Terminator Genesis comes out on DVD and Blu-ray, I'm just going to go to every store selling it, and I'm going to take a red marker and just circle the Y. In every one, and put like a little SP, like an English teacher would, <laughs> on every one, uh, and just give like a C minus. See how many you can do before you get kicked out of the store. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can. Wouldn't be surprised if you could do a couple. Oh, no one's, no one's no one's looking at the DVDs anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> they don't even have a camera on that section. No, that's the bargain bin. No one even wants to steal these things. Oh yeah, <laughs> the coasters. God damn it! Haven't you ever heard of VOD? <laughs> Say Netflix. It's like a homemade subway. Yeah, Ever well, seen that? Yeah. <laughs> people are like, yeah, I made homemade subway. I'm like, it's called a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, with the uh, Amazon Prime coming into the market, oh, iTunes, all sorts of things. Um, BitTorrent. Wait, sorry, we, we didn't say that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, it, it's a protocol for getting like free open domain stuff that we can just share freely and legally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, like you pay for it. No, 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 no. I'm totally like like public domain. You know, nobody pays for it because oh, it's just like, given out for free. Oh, like, you yeah, know, like like yeah, documentaries yeah. from PBS that are like like what what's the one the so you're the sharing. weed one. You're you're totally sharing stuff that is meant to be shared for so free. So it's like archive.org. Yeah, totally. It's but. totally legit and honest and everything. Okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the IMDb score on on uh, Back to the Future is eight point five. Which is really fucking good. Yeah. And uh, it just – it speaks to how this film has, has affected so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know one, one of the things that, that I think back to when I first saw this as a kid and that I wanted to get into was my love for sheepdogs. It was like between, <laughs> between Einstein mm-hmm. and that fucking dog in uh, Looney Tunes – uh, you know, oh, yeah, in the yeah, cartoon yeah. with... Um, the other coyote. Yeah. You know, hey, George, hey, George. And, Just clocking you know, in. Clock yeah. in and clock out and, you know, try and kill each other in between. Th- that, like, cemented my love of just these these messy, furry, lovable little balls of hair. Little pooch. Yeah. And it's interesting how it adds a, a level of humanity to Doc Brown's character. He's not just an eccentric recluse. Yeah. Hang out with a little kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he he still needs companionship. He needs love on some level. Um, it's an interesting way of reminding the audience that he is human um, and vulnerable without making him human and vulnerable much of the time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when he gets shot up by Libyans... <laughs> in a mall parking lot immortality he's vulnerable yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but <laughs> but when they obviously reconcile that you still have the the human element to the character that's been 
reaffirmed through his connection with Marty and through his uh, um, connection with Einstein and through his connection in the second film, uh, or actually in both films, with um, Copernicus, the puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's segue into a little bit of discussion specifically on the second film. This is the the lowest um, scoring on, I think, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Um, IMDb has it at 7.8%, which is still a really respectable score. But relatively. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, but within – actually, no. Three is scored lower. My apologies. And um, and then Rotten Tomatoes has it at 63%. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm on the side of Rotten Tomatoes. Rewatching these films, um, I think three is better than two. I agree. Yeah. I'm on the fence, but just because it's it's kind of about perspective. Yeah. I mean, for me, part of it's nostalgic because I remember seeing all the movies when they came out in theaters, and the first one was wild, but it didn't talk to me the same way the second one did because I was really young and product placement is awesome. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so looking at it from that thing, like, it's it's genius for what it is. Mm-hmm. And it still had its, its, its really, like, powerful moments. Like, when I just – I don't know why, but I remember as a kid watching Back to the Future 2 in the theaters, and when Doc Brown's, like, in the garage drawing the chalk lines mm-hmm. – and he does the diverging path. He goes, but then this happened. And yeah. there's like a, there's like a, an orchestra sting and stuff like that. And it's yeah. just like, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Like that was very real at that point. It was like, okay, cool. This movie's actually affecting me. Not just cause I want to hoverboard really badly. Yeah. And it was you so know? effective. In fact, that countless movies have ripped it off yeah. their sense. And, and that's the thing. So and I mean, like, TV. like back to the future too. Like I, I still think, you know, first one's the best one. Cause it's just kind of the perfect movie. It just kind mm-hmm. of works. The second one is a hell of a lot of fun hasn't aged completely well but it's in its age has become because we've now caught up to it yeah you know it's become a really cool social experiment yes. and a really cool sort of like a, a time capsule mm-hmm. right and that kind of thing but in terms of quality storytelling and sets and movies and characters and just wrapping up the overarching narrative yeah the third one takes it yeah you know i just because i uh i was introduced to find like the franchise by watching one three two oh, okay um, growing up on TV, uh, no one was uh, we rented it, um, and then three and two was I had a beta at my cottage and oh, cool. nice. we used to rent betas. Nice. Cool, that's what you call Betamax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a laser disc player. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so for me, when I watched like one and three are very similar in how the story is told. You know what I mean? Marty goes back in time. He stays in one area for a while. You know, mm-hmm. and then three it gets capped off. And they have really a whole nice. feel good aspect to yeah. both of them, mm-hmm. you know. Two is straight up like somebody making that movie was doing a lot of blow. It is really <laughs> all over the place. There's product <laughs> placement selling <laughs> shit right left, right, and center. Yeah. But I do like the homage to Jaws twelve, is it? Yeah. Because it was, wasn't wasn't it nineteen? Nineteen or okay. whatever. <laughs> yeah, three D. Yeah. He got three D movies right. They got uh, flat screens, right? Mm. Uh, I don't know. They got Pepsi, right? Hoverboards technically sort of exist. Yeah, yeah kind of, sort of. Um, but in any case, um, I like that because for Zemeckis um, and Bob Gale, mm-hmm. Spielberg has been you know, a champion of both of them. Seen the incredible work that Robert Zemeckis specifically can do. And been a true fan and a true friend to him. And I think that that, um, you know, spoke volumes to me about the humanity in the filmmaker 
you know, mm. seeing that I didn't see it as, uh, you know, anything other than uh, this is a tip of the cap to our exec producer who is a good friend of mine. You know. Yeah, true. I just kind of that's a good point. I I just look at two as more or less just being like, but don't worry. There's going to be a third one. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing is going to cap off. Well, it's interesting too cuz the the VHS that I have for Back to the Future yeah. has the the to be continued shit on it, which mm-hmm. they took away for the Blu-ray, right? Yeah, I yeah. heard about that. Yeah. Well, it was only it was it was like they were saying in that documentary back at time that that to be continued at the end of the VHS was strictly added to the VHS, yeah. yeah for that alone because mm-hmm. this movie came out like i'll put this in context i had to see this on vhs we aren't part of the audience that would have <laughs> gotten to see uh back to the future in its original theatrical release mm-hmm. because we're all at least a year or born a year removed from the movie being released so yeah. it was already on home uh video when we were becoming alive wait, what so unless we out? had a delorean wait what year did it come out 85 85? Yeah, no, I, I, I was old enough to go to movies. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, look, la dee Well, you, you look remarkably young, my friend. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you look wonderful for your age. But anyway, go on. So, yeah, no, the VHS was a necessity. No, I just want to hit on you now. DVD yeah. didn't exist. <laughs> Stop it. Let's talk you'll about DVDs. Like, you'll, look v- like Jesus. A, you'll look like a young Crispin Glover. <laughs> I also look like an old Crispin Glover. <laughs> Which is the same thing. Exactly. Um, okay, so let's talk about it, uh, the uh, the recasting because we said we were going to get into that a little bit um, to Elizabeth Shue, right? And she's they beautiful, yeah. I to be honest, uh, Adventures in Babysitting, man. I'm just oh, saying, dude. She's oh, the other one. I don't know. I she, was she in, was I'm not a fan of the haircut, <laughs> but she is beautiful. Um, in any case, it's <laughs> not even a hair. I'm pretty sure that's just her. She has a safe haircut in every movie. Doesn't she? I know. I just think she's badass. That's all. You know, I think. Hollow Man. Yeah. Man. <laughs> you know, I think that this this film they were trying Hell to too. obviously make her <laughs> look as much like um, Claudia yeah. Wells. As yeah. Possible. I don't know why they just didn't get Claudia Wells back. It was her mom was sick. Yeah. Oh. Okay. She she was originally cast to come back. She she wasn't in another film until. Like recently, to mm-hmm. you know, the nineties maybe. Yeah. Um, because you know she had personal shit, and you know, which is also kind of an interesting underlying message that the film promotes. Okay, well, no problem. Let's get Elizabeth Shue. You got to do what you got to do. It's kind of a nice level of humanity to the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in finding that out retrospectively. God, everything's so wholesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is making me sick. Uh, <laughs> um, but the recasting, they they reshoot the final sequence of the first film hmm. with Elizabeth Shue. And it's almost perfect mm-hmm. um, with the, with the exception of Christopher Lloyd's delivery. And it's, uh, and it's, it's so interesting that they, they talked about in that same documentary that we keep alluding to, which basically mm. if you're listening to this episode, just, just watch back in time yeah because, like turn this off and go watch yeah that. yeah and then come back and, and listen to this though because you know we need the download numbers we need to you know yeah. make, make the make the big bucks that you get from download numbers podcasting yeah yeah totally yeah this totally. is this is why we do this yeah. it's the youtube views. mad cheddar <laughs> that's what it is but in any case yeah um where they're talking about uh i forgot where i was going <laughs> if I knew what you were the, trying to say, reshooting the final, yeah, scene. <laughs> reshooting the final scene, and they they go into uh, 
they go into this world and they realize that they've got Elizabeth Shue's character now, so they have to essentially knock her out. Yeah. And they have to work that into the script. They they have to uh, get Jennifer uh, to be away from the action for long enough that they can kind of do something with Marty and Doc and get that interplay back that everyone loves so much. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that they they totally screwed themselves with the first ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they decided, you know what? We're just we're going to run with it. Yeah. We're going to. We're going to keep building this world. And I love that that these movies happen. They all happen back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it just serves as an extension to that whole cautionary tale element of it where it's like we're on one adventure. It's one big adventure and then um, destroy the DeLorean but not live our lives because we've learned our lesson about time travel. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's the thing. It goes off the rails, and then they literally put it back on the on rails, rails with the fucking train. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> go on. <laughs> that was a great scene, though. Yeah, and what is... we're gonna? Uh, no, let's do it now. What the hell is that kid pointing at in the final scene when his family, like, the family shows up? Oh, and he's yeah. Like, is that, like, him saying he has to pee to the... Yeah, because he's, he's yeah, kind of... I've seen... Uh, yeah. What, what is with I that? I never even really thought of that. Yeah. Like, is he telling producers, like, like stop the fucking tape. I got to pee. Like, yeah. what is he doing? And wouldn't it have been hilarious if he just let it go? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that point? Christopher Lloyd's got one kid that pisses himself. <laughs> it, it's a problem. We're aware of it. Mm-hmm. You know, diapers haven't been invented yet. Yeah. So just... <laughs> That's why we're in modern day with this train. Pick up some Pampers. Or hoggies. Yeah. Whatever you prefer. Right now, I got him in a potato sack with some nuts. that doesn't hold anything (laughs) (laughs) but in any case yeah so they they you we already talked about going into 2015 and um i love the idea of the sports almanac coming into things because that was well done yeah because that's what we all would do yeah we and it and it shows as good as Marty is, it's the first chink in his armor, if you will. It's that first moment where he is not the noble character. Mm. And he he decides that he's going to make his world for the better. You know, he he's going to um, fix the game. And it's so interesting that that blows up in his face. And while I'm not as big of a fan of this film as I am of one and three, it's still a great film. I still watch it regularly. Mm. But um, that is such a unique element of this film. That mm. Just let's play with this. You know, if you could change the rules, if you could have an, an edge, would you do it? And it brings in a whole nother subcontext to, to the franchise. Just these moral messages. Are we doing a fucking John Hughes yeah uh panel or are we talking about back to the future but um yeah it's 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 really nice it's a it's a really fun maybe the execution isn't great but it's fun going along for the ride watching someone realize oh no i've made a big mistake being um selfish yeah but not only that but it's also it's also great because it shows how also imperfect marty is and it's really the first kind of shred of him being an imperfect human being yeah, uh, in that entire franchise. Yeah. You know, is really just that one thing that he did. Mm-hmm. It was that time he took credit for that song in the first movie, right? Well, he didn't take credit. He was like, no, this is an oldie where I'm from. And I'm like, man, you just, you're kind of fucking with shit right now, man. Yeah. 
Obviously not the same, not as bad. But that was one of those moments where I'm like, no, don't take don't take that away. By the way, <laughs> yeah, I have to put this in. We have a friend of ours who shall not be named on this episode, who has uh, done a an edit on the the scene from Back to the Future One, um, where instead of uh, he he puts on the headphones on on his dad and he he starts it up and it's Eddie Van Halen, and then he's like you know, silence Earthling. I am Darth Vader, you know, like that mm-hmm. whole thing. And he's recut it with instead of Van Halen, it's Dillinger Escape Plan. <laughs> That's wonderful. And it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. Now, I was apprehensive about bringing this up because there's also a clip of him making fun of me um, with a stone <laughs> face playing an acoustic song. <laughs> Just uh... keeps recutting this one facial expression that I make. So if you do find this on YouTube, <laughs> feel free to find that other clip and make fun of me. Oh, go along <laughs> with him. But um but yeah, he, it, it it's so interesting how like Van Halen is so out there for, for people in the 50s and then now like uh, you know you you did the same thing with your dad with someone like Dillinger. Yeah. And it would just be he would think you were from another planet. He would honestly yeah. think that you were, you know, if you were just like silence, I am Kylo Ren or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> wow. Well, Time. it's it's funny. It's like it's like my parents, my parents didn't even get the music that I played until like two years ago. Yeah, you know, yes, and, and they were like, okay. and it, it wasn't even so much like they got the music that I played as much as they were just like, well, he's not going to change. So. <laughs> We might as well just accept him finally. He's an adult. My mom's of. a huge Sleeper of the Nightlife fan. In all seriousness, <laughs> she sports like all of our t-shirts and has all of our records and tells people about the band. I think that she's probably got us more online sales than actually playing shows. <laughs> wow. Wicked. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to Back to the Future. The yeah, I could have gone somewhere with that, but we're not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's something else i do like about doing this um is that is that i i don't like being embarrassed about where you come from and 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 so like we we did go off in this departure about you know where we come from the fact that we play music the you know and and the other things that we do in our lives um and i love that about uh marty's character i love that he's never ashamed that he comes from a family that per se is from the wrong side of the tracks yeah he's never um yeah, he he's never he's happy for his dad when he writes this really fucking strange sci-fi novel. Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> he's you know he he never belittles his um his uncle he you know that he sees in the future. He just says you know you better get used to those bars yeah. or whatever. But he's it does it in a it's playful clever, way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he's such a he's a character who's so comfortable in his own skin. It's something to aspire to aspire to yeah. with the exception of the almanac <laughs> but i mean that's the thing that's still again the real temptation it's like would you do it would you not maybe you would you mm-hmm. probably would but you might actually think better of it when you get a sense of your place in like the time stream yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. but even just to touch on just how like comfortable marty is with his family he doesn't even the changes that do happen in his life mm-hmm. he didn't do them because he felt like it was going to bring his family riches he was only doing that because he didn't want his dad to you know, continuously well, yeah, he be this his... wiener yeah. and he didn't, he didn't... get him picked on by Biff. He was just like, yeah. man, Dad, just get a fucking pair of balls and 
just don't let people fucking throw you down, no, man. No, he, yeah. he didn't screw with anybody. Yeah. yeah. He just he just wanted his dad to be happy. And also, he gave his dad what he was on some level hoping for from his dad, and that he gave him that, um, that kick in the butt yeah. and pat on the back for his creative endeavors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, which they never really got an opportunity to touch on. His mom supports him in some of the later sequences uh, in, well, the, the future sequence in two mm-hmm. um, talking about how, you know, he, he never got to, to, you know, his life would have been different if he yeah. just kept playing in a band kind of thing. But um, he, he very much almost took on a paternal role with his own father. And that's so interesting. Well, I was about to say, yeah, like in order to get a, a fatherly lesson from his father, he had to give his father a fatherly lesson. Yeah. We could have sentences like that going all day long. Yeah. No, it's, it, this series is so fucking good. Really? It's, just, it's upsetting. <laughs> it just makes you feel like a failure. I know. <laughs> oh, let's not go there. <laughs> but, um, I'm I'm overwhelmed with moments I want to talk about oh, here. If anyone else wants to no, jump no, in, like, feel free. By all means, lead the way. Yeah, there's just it's just it's it's so wide back to the future because there is so many things to talk about in it. How it nailed down time travel. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's a whole discussion within itself. You know what I mean. Mm. The relationship between you know Marty and Doc. How they're yeah, there is a huge age gap, but they are they literally are the best friends, man. Yeah. You know, they're better friends than a lot of other sidekicks in other movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then there's also just the whole family aspect of it. This mm-hmm. movie tackled so much in an hour and 43 minutes. Mm-hmm. It is insane. And you can, and that's why I think we love it so much. And that it's, it is an overwhelming topic to talk about back yeah. in the future. There's so many elements to it, especially that first movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's incredible. The, um... I, I'd like to kind of segue into three and kind of just bounce back and forth between two and three because, mm-hmm. again, it's very hard to cut up these movies uh, in the, because they, the chronology is so close. They are, in fact, basically one large film. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea that, that Doc has found himself happy in a simpler time. You know, shedded a lot, or shed, he's shed a lot of. <laughs> he's shed a lot of the, uh, you know, um, the hardships of of the eighties and nineties culture. The that he never fit into. That he never fit into, yeah. and he's he found a place where he uh, relates. And it's so odd that this this man who is a scientist and a, a doctor and he's um, an advanced thinker um, finds this solace in a simpler time. Ignorance is bliss, man. Mind you, a pretty girl might have something, something to, to do, do with, with that, that because you can find yourself happy anywhere that there's companionship. A, yes. And I mean, that's the thing, though. It's just because it, I, I just even now real life. I have friends who are just like, man, I wish I lived in the Wild West. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you would die in a week yeah, because you're a normal person. yeah. You don't have the wherewithal. You haven't been raised in that world. You don't have the skill set necessary, whereas a genius scientist might. Yes. You know, and it's that kind of thing. Like you said, he's a man of science. He's, he's, he's one of the smartest people in the world. Dude invented fucking time travel, and he goes back to go live on the range. And be a blacksmith. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And I mean, that's the only way it could work. Yeah. You know? 
Um, but did he fully live on the range, though? You, you no, know, he lived in the town. You know what I mean. Well, <laughs> no, but even then, at the end of three, it's like he shows up in oh, the, with the time traveling train, train, train yeah. and then he flies into other times. But they well, were, sti- but they were still, still dressed to... like you know yeah. like of the period. So maybe that's their home, and they just go on vacation. You know? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it just harkens back to the whole Jules Verne connection yeah. for him, and all well, his kids' names. Yeah, Jules, Jules and Verne. Yeah, <laughs> but um, we, the other interesting thing that they did in three is they actually brought back a character that was only alluded to in two. When Biff has the casino in two, there's that video playing outside that talks about. Um, his cowboy relative, and they bring him in as the antagonist. I, I don't remember in that. Three. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. I yeah. Gotta, okay, I got to look at that again. <laughs> Which is is so cool, and I wonder if they knew where it was going. Yeah. Or or if they they just they got there and they realized. Wait, what do we? We've do? already written this. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I think they did because two and three were shot back to back. Yeah, and they released. They were released. I think like a year apart. Um, you know, which is what's so funny because I think when did two come out? Two came out in what eight ninety eighty nine eighty nine, and then three was ninety. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah because it's really funny because in two and three they're still going back to modern time, which is still in the sequel of nineteen eighty five. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, does anyone find it odd that that Leah Thompson is brought back as uh, as kind of marty her, her his wife in the third one like the he it's it's obviously his father's ancestry on that side right the name mcfly um that he encounters and leah thompson's character or someone that resembles yeah, his mom yeah is married to to Marty's, uh, uh, let's call it fate and not incest. Yeah, yeah. let's let's do that, and I'll I'll take it. I don't question it because we get Leah Thompson back well, again. And, but I mean, there's a smaller gene pool back then, yeah. right? So maybe that just has something to do with, and they settled in the town, and it happens, and they're yeah. far enough apart that there's no actual, yeah, you know, breed biological out, breed issues. Back in. It's <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> oh man. I just really want to talk about Marty's cowboy outfit when he first gets sent back. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and that's that what, so like, good. you know, 50s Doc thinks that cowboys oh, look love like. Love it. Because love he it. doesn't know Clint Eastwood or any of the references yep. that Marty's yep. making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so he sends him back as his fucking howdy doody. <laughs> and, like, like, was it like, wasn't it like neon pink and powder blue or something? Yeah. Like that? Or like, like yellow fringe or something? Or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Such a gnarly outfit. <laughs> yeah. I, I would rock that. <laughs> Just like, hey, like what the, the life preserver comment in two? Yes, you know? like the life that. preserver comment was so good. They all think he's a sailor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just going back to that. That's a fun theme I never actually thought about until just now. And the Calvin Klein underwear as well. Yeah. I think isn't he wrote his name on his underwear? Yeah, yeah, because that's what you did back then. Because you only had so many pairs of underwear. Yeah, you got to keep those things <laughs> un- under control. <laughs> I have never written my name on underwear. No, I went to well, not on once. my own. <laughs> I, th- I think I went to camp when I was a kid. My mom wrote them on there. But yeah. Seriously? I'm pretty sure. I'd have to go see if I can find those somewhere in the basement of my parents' house. I'm sure they're still there with my name. I'm going to stop talking. Don't, yeah. <laughs> I, had that, I had that for pajamas because I shared a room with my brother. Ah. And you didn't want to be wearing oh, your brother's PJs. Yeah, and it was like, well, you'd... Fuck, man. You'd get matching shit all the time. You oh, know? your parents did that? No, my aunts did that. Ah. My parents were like, Don't stop match it. These Don't match them. 
Yeah. Just complicating it, everything. Yeah, but yeah, well, actually, my mom was like, "Don't match it." My dad was like, "We need it. It's, we'll grow into it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an investment." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, okay, so the Wild West, the, the callback to uh, you know Biff's ancestry is great. The callback to the clock tower erecting the clock. The tower use of the photograph again is great. The yeah. use of the photograph. There's so many things that stay loyal to the series. Um, great writing. And and that's why 3 does it for me more than 2. In that I think 2 is better if you observe it as a bridge piece. As mm-hmm. that kind of Empire Strikes Back or Two Towers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Where um, you... You need two to get from one to three. Absolutely. But um, I can sit down and watch one, and I can sit down and watch three. But it's only when I kind of marathon the movies that, that I can really, really want to see two. I, I, I totally agree. Well, I mean, and the, and the fundamental issue there is just that, like, three is a very cerebral brand of sci-fi. Yes. Because it's so lo-fi mm-hmm. because it's one of the things where it's still very much a science fiction time travel, like res- like being resourceful with your, with your, your, your narrative and making the science work, but you're doing it in cowboy times. Yes. And that's the kind of thing. So to go from the fifties to that is just seems like a regression. Whereas to go forward and use that as a bridge, like you said, and then come to that in context, it's absolutely necessary. It totally makes sense. I fully agree with that. And I, Again, never looked at it that way. Yeah. I'm glad we got to have this talk. It's, it's, also, it's, <laughs> also, it's also, I find it's also pretty interesting how uh, the sequels kind of went with American, like the, that, that franchise kind of went with American cinema in that, you know, the first one comes out, it's got a bunch of 50s, you know, it takes place in the 50s. The 50s were really big, like, you know, a lot of do yeah, come yeah, back yeah. into the, you know, in the 80s and stuff like that. And then into the late end, you had a lot more sci-fi kind of stuff happening. Two comes out. They go into the future, you know. And then three comes, and they're right back into the Western, the classic American Western. Yeah. You know, everything gets tackled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really great. It's a great franchise. It's <laughs> <Let's> good <get> movies. <laughs> um, I... What else, what else do we need to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Now, you know what? This is a good time to take a break. Come back. We'll wrap up this series. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is a franchise that no matter what, how we talk about it, we'll never do it justice. And uh, so I think we should just come back and pay our respects the best we can. Calling a guy sexy voice that's like saying hey idiot look at your stupid gigantic dick like <laughs> i mean yes uh brent has like this voice that's totally classic radio and it's it's really interesting i i'm, I'm not bagging on him just saying he has a sexy voice get off my back <laughs> okay so we're back and the one thing that we haven't touched on at all and that we should touch on as fans of the film, the films, is, uh, although it is one big film. Yeah. Um, should there be, should there ever be a remake of this film and should there ever be a part four 
of this because part four has been kind of hinted at for a long time and and personally it's not something i want to see and uh, you know in this generation of reboots that seems you know to be going on right now uh are we are we treading on losing some of the the special nature of this film i i i would say it's a it's a classic you know what i mean there's just certain movies that you don't touch like you don't touch like casablanca mm-hmm. you know what i mean i don't think you should touch back to the future there's just so much love like it took them so long to even get the perfect screenplay for the first movie to even get let's be honest two mediocre sequels yeah you know what i mean oh well, um, better than mediocre well we we love them cuz we're huge fans you know what i mean well, but let's but 7.4 on part 3 on imdb 74% on rotten tomatoes the audience score on rotten tomatoes 78% so clearly uh, audience score on number two is eighty five on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, cl- but I mean, clearly like, loved films. But did the the second and third one sort of capture lightning in a bottle the way the first one did? That's up for debate. But to say they're bad or unnecessary, I don't think that's true. No, fair enough. I uh, but I just don't think it should be touched. There's just so much magic in that first one. And who would you like? That's the big question. Like, who do you trust with it? In mm-hmm. terms of cast, in terms of writing, in terms of directing, in terms of you know visual design and Even all that kind sound of sound design, absolutely, oh, for sure. Like yeah. the score, right? The score like, is masterful, and that's the thing. So I mean, it's one of those ones where like I want to be hopeful, I want to be Eric Stoltz here, and just like <laughs> be like, you know what? It is possible for someone to do something with with the franchise, with the world, with the playground, like we talked about with Evil Dead, where yeah. it's just like there is something there I think worth exploring, but. Reboot culture pisses me off. Mm-hmm. It very, very, very rarely works. Yeah, because they really hit the mark. And that's the thing. But so is this, it impossible? This, this doesn't need a remake or a reboot or a recast or anything like that. Like, I agree with these. Don't touch it, right? Mm-hmm. But to extend it, to have a new cast of characters and maybe some, like, throwback cameos, if they, whoever they may be, can, you know, to reuse the same cliche, capture lightning in a bottle again. Yeah. Well, the... Um, like, but for that to happen, what, what's, you know, like, do you need another Marty McFly or do you need a no. completely different character? Let's, do you, you yeah, know? let's theorize on on what a reboot could mean because I think we all are in agreement that Part Four shouldn't happen. No, it should be a whole other arc. So, if they are going the way of the reboot, let's let's get into what we'd like to see. Why not? Personally, for me. Mm-hmm. This, the jump-off point is finding the DeLorean. I yeah. think if you found the DeLorean um, and went to work on restoring the DeLorean... Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. That might be a good jump-off point. Especially with like a totally cool like metal montage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Some no, Dillinger I mean, escape plan. Exactly. Yeah, right. No, and that, that's the thing, though. I mean, like looking at, like, you know, Force Awakens... Right, mm-hmm. where there, it's like the Jedi have and the Force has become like the stuff of legend. Mm-hmm. The DeLorean is stuff of legend, and somebody or some group finds it, mm-hmm. you know, or they or it becomes like like, you know, some like national treasure esque mystery thing where they're tracking it down and following clues left by Doc Brown and that kind of thing. Like that could be interesting. Conversely, you could do it very much in the way of someone finds it and give Christopher Lloyd a cameo where he is kind of warning them yeah of the effects yeah mm-hmm. he reaches out to them you know 
realizes maybe they visit a time, uh, maybe they go back to November 12, 1955. And uh, because that seems, as they state, it seems to be a, a crux in time. Is that a, like a, di- a divergent point in the timeline? Kind yeah. Of thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, 50s Christopher Lloyd or even no mo- modern day Christopher Lloyd mm-hmm. um you know sees the DeLorean and sees it's not him it's not Marty and you have this <laughs> moment of this kind of forewarning maybe a little bit darker than what we've seen thus far without going like Nolan gritty yeah <laughs> yeah it it and that's the thing. I think it needs to still be heartwarming in the way the original was. Mm-hmm. And they can't start from zero. They have to do... Agreed. That's, that's a shitty reboot. Yeah. That's ignoring they, everything. Yeah. They have to still live in the world that's been masterfully created by Absolutely. Robert Zemeckis and, and not, Bob Gale. And they also can't take away from any of these characters that you have loved so much. Like I, I even can't even fathom a reason why somebody else would want to go back in time unless... Because the, re- the main reason why Marty goes, like, when he goes back in time is he's trying to fix what is shitty about, or he well, fixes what's shitty about his life, you know what I mean? But he goes back entirely accidentally. Accidentally fucks things up yeah. and then he has runs, to fix it, yeah. right? I can't, I just can't, I, I, I can't fathom a, re- like a, a reason. Somebody has to fuck up. Yeah. yeah. So he, I, I, like, I, like, I like what Brandon's saying here, where it's just like somebody finds the DeLorean. Doesn't know what it is, gets in, takes it up to 88, next thing you know. Yep. Next and, thing you know, they're, they're dating their mother. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> no that's I, I i think that's interesting that's what i'm saying like i i have hope that it could work you mm-hmm. know there is potential there but my god it scares me yeah <laughs> like, it, that it could go so so awry it, out of all the reboots that you could do there's not too many for me that are completely off the table mm-hmm. that's very close to being one mm-hmm you know, I'm trying to think of examples now of other things I wouldn't touch, and nothing's coming to me. But I mean, I I know they exist. I yeah. know there's something. If you 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 hear that, that, you see that article about it online, it's just like, oh, they're rebooting this. You're like, no, yeah, no. You just get very angry. Yeah. I'm sure I see one of those a week. You flip but... tables. If <laughs> I, you still, will. I, st- I still, I still, well, I still feel that way about um, Ghostbusters. I think movies that have been so loved that are like you know in AFI's like top ten. Yeah. Don't fucking. Touch them. You don't have to touch them. What reason is that? Like, you don't have a reason to really redo Ghostbusters. You really don't have to do it unless you're trying to make money. You really don't have a reason to remake Back to the Future. Yeah. No. They're fucking great. You know what I mean? And in a lot of ways, they are timeless, despite the fact that maybe their one flaw is the fact that they do go forward in time. The one time that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like, look at how that movie pushed technology yeah um you know in in reality much in the way that a star trek yeah or something like that absolutely you know like there's just just don't you don't have to do it and even now it's like they're so old you know christopher lloyd is old would he would he be you know the doc again for sure do i really want to watch him be the doc again no because he's not going to have those same mannerisms. Because yeah, yeah. he can't. Because he's an eighty-eight-year-old man. Yeah, I don't know. Like I don't, dis- I don't, I don't disagree I don't know. with you. I know, but... and, I under- and I and I know you don't. And I know you like devil's advocate here. But it's just yeah. fuck. How do you? I know it's scary. You can't I don't want to capture that movie. I say I don't want to be the producer who has to put that together. No way, man. <laughs> In any case, I think I think we should wrap this up because we could we could. <laughs> can let's we just can hypothesize. We're, we're just going to develop a treatment right now yeah. and try to shop it around. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, any final thoughts on Back to the Future, gentlemen? Uh, it's great. Don't touch it. Um, yeah, and Crispin Clover just doesn't age. Yeah, and Leah Thompson is still hot. Oh. I just want to tell you guys, remember, this is just the beginning of the conversation. We want to continue it on with you. So please go to our site, yell at us, um, find us on Twitter. Uh, for this episode, we're using the hashtag BTTFMRML. Back to the future, Mermel. <laughs> right on. Uh, or you can just hashtag MRML, Mermel, if you want. Um, and we'll find you. Uh, I'm at not Brandon Fleet. You guys want to offer up your Twitters? Uh, I'm at Ant East. And I am at Twice Sliced. Nice. Now, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, SoundCloud, or your choice podcatcher. Uh, if you're listening to us on one of those services or another, uh, you can find us on YouTube. So visit our channel, see what other cool stuff we're getting up to. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you later in the future. <laughs> Unless you're listening to this now. Yeah, we are in the past, <laughs> talking to you from the past, uh, you in the future, <laughs> and we'll see you again in the future where we will again be talking to you from the past. Thanks for hanging out with us. By the way, do you guys remember that Billy Zane is in Back to the Future? He's one of the buds. He's he's one of Biff's boys. Yeah, Billy Zane's been in like some pretty hilarious movies. Man. Yeah, I didn't realize it was him in Freaking Titanic. My 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 favorite thing Zane. about Billy Zane is um when he gets when he gets I love the Phantom when he gets when he gets killed off in Critters. He's the only one to actually knock a put back together. And if you think about it, at the end of the movie, this whole family's rejoicing. They think everything has gone back to normal when they have the dead body of Billy Zane Whoa. in the fucking, in the barn. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I haven't seen Critter since it came out. Sorry. I'm, uh, oh, no, it's good. I, that, was, that, was a, that was a way back playback. Right yeah. There. Critters. Where do they come up with this stuff?